My name is Jonathan Brandt. I'm from New York City. Warren, you wrote in 1977 that the return on equity and growth of book value for corporate America tended towards and averaged about 13%, no matter the inflation environment. After properly expensing options and so-called non-recurring charges, and taking into account the high price earnings ratio paid for increasingly frequent acquisitions, do you think that 13% figure is still roughly correct? Also, what quantitative method would you suggest that investors use for expensing the option grants of publicly traded firms where there is no realistic prospect for the substitution of such an options program with a cash-based performance incentive plan? In other words, how do you derive the 5 to 10% earnings dilution referred to in this year's Berkshire's annual report? And is it possible that the dilution figure could be even higher than that? Thank you. Okay, thanks, Johnny. Uh, just like Martin Wigan, um, John, John Brandt is the uh, son of a very good friend of mine that, where we worked together for, for decades, and, uh, and, and John is now an analyst with, uh, with uh, Ruane Kniff and, uh, and, a, and a very good one. Uh, he also, he, he says it didn't happen this way, but, but when he was about four years old, I was at his the house for dinner with the parents and he suggested to me after dinner, he said, how about a game of chess? I looked at this four-year-old and I thought, you know, this is the kind of guy who said, should we play for money? And, uh, <laughs> and he said, name your stakes, so I backed off and uh, we sat down and after about 12 moves, I could see I was in mortal trouble, so I suggested it was time for him to get to bed. Uh, <laughs> The question about return, return on equity, it's true, back in 1977, I believe, I wrote an article for Fortune and talked about this, more or less, this figure of 12 or 13 percent that, that return on equity kept coming back to and explained why I didn't think it was affected by inflation, and it, which was the hot topic of the day very much. Uh, and it wasn't, but in recent, in the last few years, uh, earnings have been reported at very high figures on the S&P. Uh, although you've had these very substantial restructuring charges, which every management likes to tell you doesn't count. I love that. They, when they, you know, they say, well, you know, we, we earned a, a dollar a share in total last year, but look at the $2 a share that we tell you we really earned the other dollar a share doesn't count it. And then they throw in mistakes of the past or mistakes of the future and, and, actually, and every three or four years ask you to forget this as if it uh, doesn't mean anything. We've never had a charge like that that we've set forth in Berkshire and we never will. We, it isn't that we don't have things we do that cost us money that, in moving around, but we, don't, we, do, we do not ask you to forget about those costs. Um, the, the report, even allowing for options costs and restructuring charge and everything, re return on equity has been surprisingly, to me surprisingly high in this, in the last few years. And, now, there's a real question in a capitalistic society whether if long-term rates are five and a half percent, whether return on equity can be across the board some number like 18 or 20 percent. There are an awful lot of companies out there that are implicitly promising you, either by what they say their growth in earnings will be or, or various other ways, that they're, they're going to earn at these rates of 20 percent plus. And, you know, I'm dubious about those claims, uh, but we will see. And question, the question about how we charge for stock options uh, is very simple. Uh, if we look at what a company issues in options over, say, a five-year period, 
um, and divide by fives because the grants are irregular, um, or whatever. If there's some reason why that seems inappropriate, we might use something else. But we, we try to figure out what the average option issuance is going to be. And then we say to ourselves, how much could the company have received for those options if they'd sold them as warrants to the public? I mean, they can sell me options on, on any company in the, in, the, in the world. I'll pay some price for an option on anything. And uh, we would look at what the fair market value of those options would be that day if they were transferable options. Now, they aren't transferable, but they also employees sometimes get their options repriced downward, which you don't get if you have public options. So we say that it's the cost to the shareholder of issuing the options is about what could be received if they sold, turned those options into warrants and sold them public or sold them as options. And that's the cost. I mean, it's, it's, it's a compensation cost. And just try going to a company that's had a lot of options grants every year and tell them you're going to you're going to quit giving the options and pay people the same amount of money. They'll say, you, you took away part of my earnings. And we say, if you've taken away part of the earnings, then let's show it in the income account and show it as a cost, because it is a cost. And I think uh, actually a number of auditors agreed to that position many years ago, and they started receiving pressure from their clients who said, gee, that, you know, that might hurt our earnings if we reported that cost. And, uh, the auditors caved, and uh, uh, they put pressure on Congress when it came up a few years ago, and I think it's a scandal, but, it, but, it, but it's happened. We are going to, in evaluating a business, we're going, whether we're going to buy the entire business or whether we're going to buy part of it, we're going to figure out how much it's costing us to issue, and when the company issues those options every year, and if they reprice them, we're going to figure out how much that particular policy costs us. And, that is coming out of our pocket as investors, and, and I think people are quite foolish if they ignore that. Uh, I don't think it's going to change. It's too much in corporate America's interest to, to keep it out of the income account and keep issuing more and more options percentage-wise and not have it hit the income account and to reprice when stocks go down, but that doesn't make it right. Charlie? Yeah, I, I, it's, uh, I go so far as to say it's, it's fundamentally wrong not to have uh, rational, honest accounting in, in big American corporations. And it's very important not to let little corruptions start because they become big corruptions and then you have vested interests that fight to perpetuate them. Uh, surely there are a lot of wonderful companies that, that issue stock options and that the stock options go to a lot of wonderful employees that are really earning them. Uh, but all that said, the accounting in America is corrupt, and it is not a good idea to have corrupt accounting. Okay, you can see the problem of the, of, of, of the creep in it once it starts. Uh, it's, it's much like campaign finance reform. I mean, it, it, if, if you let it go for a long time, the system becomes so embedded in it, and the, uh, embedded, and the participants become so dependent upon it that there's, it becomes a huge consist, constituency that will fight like the very devil to prevent any change, regardless of the logic of the situation. I mean, once you get a significant number of important players benefiting from any kind of uh, corruption in any kind of system, you're going to have a you're going to have a terrible time changing it. That's why you know it should be changed early and. It would have been easier to change the accounting for stock options some decades back when it was first proposed than now, because 
Well, basically, corporate America is hooked on it. This does not mean that we are against options per se. If Charlie and I died tonight and you had two new faces up here um, who didn't have the benefit of having bought a lot of Berkshire a long time ago, and they had responsibility for the whole enterprise, it would not be inappropriate to pay them in some way that, that was reflective of the prosperity of the whole enterprise. I mean, they would, it would be crazy to pay the people at Dairy Queen and options of Berkshire Hathaway or the, pay the people at Star Furniture or, or any one of our operations because they have responsibility for a given unit and what the price of Coca-Cola stock does could swamp their efforts uh, uh, in either direction. Uh, it just would be inappropriate. Uh, but it would not be inappropriate to pay somebody that's got the responsibility for all of Berkshire uh, in a way that, that uh, reflected the prosperity of all of Berkshire. And a properly designed option system, which would be much different than the ones you see, because it'd be much more rational, uh, could well make sense for one or two people that had the responsibility for this whole place. Charlie and I aren't interested in that, but I, I think that you may be looking at two people up here 50 years from now, I hope, that, uh, that where it would, it would be appropriate. But any option system, A, should not involve giving an option at less than the place could be sold for today, regardless of the market price, because once management's in control, it can make that decision, and it should reflect the cost of capital. And very, very few systems reflect the cost of capital. But if we're going to sit here and plow all the money back every year into the business and you're, uh, in effect, use your earnings interest-free to increase our own earnings in the future, we think there has to be a cost of capital to have a properly, a properly designed option system. People aren't interested in that. The option consultants aren't interested in that because that isn't what their clientele wants.